what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Hello and welcome to the Caregiver Community. This is a forum where we hold conversations with guest speakers about all the challenges and joys of caring for our aging parents, as well as taking care of ourselves. My name is Jane Everson, and I'm here today with my co-host, Frances Hall. How are you doing today, Frances? I'm doing fine. I am so glad to hear that. Frances and I are among an estimated 10 million adults in the United States, and indeed there are many more millions worldwide who are caring for our aging parents, but we're also caring for ourselves. In today's session, we're going to be talking about what I think is a, is a very common characteristic of aging, vision losses and hearing losses. I suspect that uh, many of our listeners today are like me. They have a parent with either a vision or a hearing loss or perhaps losses in both vision and hearing. And I would also guess that many of you are like me. You're guilty of being frustrated at times and saying things like, where did you put your glasses now? Or would you please put on your hearing aids? To help us with some of that frustration, we have a guest today. Her name is Paige Berry. Paige is the National Coordinator for for Senior Adult Services with the Helen Keller National Center, which is located in Sands Point, New York. Um, Paige um, has more than 40 years of experience serving people with vision, hearing, and both vision and hearing impairments, so she has a lot of expertise to share with us today. Paige, thank you for coming today and for joining the caregiver community. Thank you. It's my pleasure to be here. Why don't we begin with just a couple of basic questions to help our listeners. What exactly do we mean when we talk about age-related vision and hearing losses? Are these sensory losses just naturally associated with aging? And about how many people nationally or in the world are impacted by vision and hearing losses? Well, are sensory losses a typical challenge of aging or characteristic of aging? Yes and no. Mm-hmm. Uh, with vision, as we grow older, we all experience a gradual change in the way we see. Uh, many people experience greater difficulty reading or seeing, especially after the age of 40. We see more glasses. Yeah, we see a lot of that around the table here. We do. <laughs> we do. Uh, did, did you notice my brand new trifocals? <laughs> And a very tasteful uh, <laughs> color, too. Uh, but with hearing loss, it's a little bit different because age-related hearing loss seems to just happen. It's something called presbycusis. Mm-hmm. And the loss of hearing that gradually occurs in uh, many older adults, it's one of the most common conditions affecting older adults uh, Um, who are aging. But when we talk about statistics, uh, it's very difficult to get a good number. You can get more numbers on people who have vision loss than you you can hearing loss. Mm. Uh, It's estimated that people between age 65 and 75, that there are 2.6 million people with a vision loss. However, with uh, folks who are 75 and older, we call them 75 and better, uh, (laughs) there are 2.7 million. And with hearing loss, the uh, medicinenet.com recently reported that about a third of Americans between the ages of 65 and 74 have hearing loss. Wow. But about half of the people who are 85 and older have hearing loss. And, I'm surprised uh, that isn't even higher. Well, and, and the problem is people do not self-report many yeah. times. It's yeah. uh, They will report a vision loss because they wear glasses, but mm-hmm. you want to give me a hearing aid? I'm not so sure that yeah. I want yeah. that. Mm-hmm. I don't need that. If you wouldn't mumble, I could understand you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> that sounds familiar. <laughs> but back in 2006, I was involved with Mississippi State University. Uh, we did a study on persons aging with vision and hearing loss and trying to come up with a number. And what we found then was we found 1.2 million seniors age 55 and better uh, had combined vision and hearing loss. But unfortunately, as I said before, self-identifying as, quote, deafblind, people don't want to be called deafblind. And that's a, that's a category, really, uh, an umbrella that has 
has anyone with a combined loss of vision and hearing under it. But they don't want to be associated with deaf if they still have some vision Mm -hmm. or blind, I mean hearing or Mm -hmm. blind if they still have uh, some vision. So Mm -hmm. it's very difficult to to Mm -hmm. estimate the population. So probably commonly associated with aging and probably more common than we're even aware of. That's correct. It is. Good. I'm in a big boat. (laughs) (laughs) Paige, let's talk more about vision. Are there different causes or types of age-related vision loss? Do they impact a person's vision in different ways? There are. The most common eye diseases that we see that cause vision loss in older adults are macular degeneration, cataract, diabetic retinopathy, and glaucoma. And with Uh, macular degeneration, that causes a central vision loss, or there's a gray or blank spot directly in the center of the visual field. And what happens, it affects the person's ability to perform tasks that acquire good central vision or detailed vision, like reading, threading a needle, um, doing a crossword puzzle. The one thing that I hear from folks with macular degeneration is, I I can't believe I can't read anymore because so many are avid readers. But then as we'll go on in the program, we'll talk about what those folks can do. But the person with uh, macular degeneration still has peripheral vision. And unless there's another eye condition, the good news is you will not become blind from macular degeneration. That's interesting. You can you will keep that uh, peripheral the vision. The side vision. So you That's can correct. See to the side, That's right. not the center. But you okay. learn how to use that sure. that mm-hmm. vision. And then with with uh, cataract, that's uh, progressive cloudiness or hardening, hardening or yellowing of the lens. And the lens is usually transparent, uh, but that causes uh, blurring of the central vision and the peripheral vision both. Uh, You're much more sensitive to bright light and glare. Uh, Colors uh, look hazy or washed out. And uh, most of us, if we live long enough, will have a cataract. The good news is they can be removed. And I think for those of us who don't have severe vision loss, uh, we hear folks say that, well, I know it's time to get my cataract off when I'm driving at night and the headlights really bother me so much, the glare. So uh, it's kind of an indicator it's time. Yeah, Yeah. I'm I'm going through that right now. All right, and the next um, condition is diabetic retinopathy. Uh, diabetic retinopathy is uh, the primary complication caused by circulatory problems from diabetes. The damage to the small blood vessels that nourish the tissues uh, and the nerves in the retina. It can cause double vision, blurred vision. Uh, scattered blind spots, light sensitivity. The the most frustrating thing with that is the vision can change from day to day. If the blood sugar is very high or very low, then I may not see as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, tomorrow I might see much better. Mm-hmm. So it's 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 very complicated. And when a caregiver hears from a parent or someone, uh, well, I can't see that, and they say, well, you saw it yesterday. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they have to really understand that there could be a fluctuation in the vision. But folks with diabetic retinopathy have a, a greater chance of developing glaucoma and cataracts. So that's something oh. they need to so they really make sure to that if they have diabetes that they're checked regularly. And maybe even a little younger? Absolutely. If, if there's diabetes in the family, you want to get... Uh, that checked. Plus, uh, with uh, macular degeneration, that can be hereditary also. So if there's anyone in your family, even generations, you should get a borderline mm-hmm. check early mm-hmm. on with that. Mm-hmm. And the last condition we see most, of, uh, most is glaucoma. And glaucoma primarily affects the side vision uh, or tunnel vision. So the person maintains uh, central vision, but they lose that side vision. And when they lose the side vision, they also lose the top to bottom vision. So they may not see a tree limb if they're walking. If they drop something uh, around their feet, they're not going to see it. 
And uh, because there's really no symptoms of glaucoma, it's often referred to as the sneak thief of sight because there is no pain, there, there's no symptoms, and often it's too late. So uh, folks with glaucoma need to have their pressure checked because what happens, the eye's uh, drainage canals become blocked and the accumulation of fluid causes the pressure in the eye. Mm -hmm. So it can be treated, it can be uh, taken care of if it's uh, detected early. Mm -hmm. But many folks that I work with have both glaucoma and macular degeneration. And that is, a, we call it double trouble because sure. they're losing that central vision, but then they sure. also lose that sure. uh, peripheral vision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, you mentioned this um, a little bit in passing, but what professionals should be involved in the diagnostic issues with the eye and then what professionals should be involved with treatment? Well, having a team of eye care professionals is extremely beneficial uh, in the evaluation, the diagnosing, the assessing, and the training of an individual with vision loss. Uh, the ophthalmologist, who is a medical physician who specializes in the medical and uh, surgical care of the eyes and prevention of eye diseases, uh, would be your first point of contact if you suspect something abnormal is going on with your vision. Next, you, would, you might go to an optometrist. An optometrist is a healthcare uh, professional who specializes in the functioning and the disorders of the eye. Uh, detection of eye diseases. Uh, uh, you can go to an ophthalmologist, I mean, excuse me, an optometrist, and they will dilate your pupils and they can see if there's any problem with the mm -hmm. retina, if there's mm -hmm. cataracts, and then they would send them on uh, maybe to an ophthalmologist or another uh, professional. Mm -hmm. But the optometrist will have the initials OD or doctor of optometry. Mm -hmm. okay. But they can treat some types of uh, eye diseases and manage that. But um, if there's any severe uh, disease, usually they're sent to an, an ophthalmologist. But we also have low vision specialists, who's a very important part of the team, because 85 to 90 percent of the people that we work with have some sight. So our goal is to maintain that site and use it effectively, and that's where the uh, low vision specialist comes in. If your vision cannot be corrected by a regular eye care professional, a low vision specialist helps you make the best use of your remaining vision. Mm -hmm. So that might be the use of handheld magnifiers, electronic magnifiers, anything that's going to help you use that vision, but you have to learn how to use it. Mm -hmm. And another professional, with vision there's always a big team of <laughs> professionals and we uh -huh. need them all we really do but there's so we, many different kinds of vision losses you that's mentioned true. that's true and when you lose vision you need to relearn so many skills sure. and one of the 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 uh, professionals is a certified vision rehabilitation therapist used to be called rehabilitation teachers mm -hmm. but now uh, they're certified uh rehabilitation vision therapist. This person can come into the home. They can teach daily living skills. One of the things when you lose your vision often is organization. I can't organize my things because I can't see them. But a vision uh, therapist would come in, help you do that, uh, teach you to use the microwave, uh, uh, teach you to cook safely again if that's what you want to do. Uh, teach you to label your clothing, uh, thread a needle. I hear that more than anything else. Oh, if I could just sew, but I can't thread my needle. But we have needle threaders, self-threading <laughs> needle threaders. And uh, it, it's a lifesaver for folks. They can sew on buttons or hem something. What, and the, you don't need vision for that. You really don't. Also, how do you write a check? Uh, oh, I can't see where to write. Well, we have check writing guides. Uh, signature guides. Uh, I can address my own envelope because I have writing guides for mm -hmm. that. But all of this needs, um, uh, you need the help of a professional to, to teach you how to do that. 
talking book machines for those people with macular degeneration who may not be able to read and they have some pretty good hearing, then they can get uh, books on tape, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Uh, it really passes the time for them. Not just books, but you can get magazines, and most anything you want today is out there, mm-hmm. uh, like this podcast. Right. You know, right. folks so we really have a, a team of people who are going to start with a diagnosis to help you understand what kind of vision loss you or your parent might have, and if it's treatable, either with medication or surgery, or even just some kinds of aids and devices like glasses. But I think the piece that we don't often hear a lot about is the professional who can help us relearn how to use our remaining vision. Where would somebody find someone like that? Is your family physician going to know that person? Is the ophthalmologist going to know that person? The ophthalmologist and optometrist should be aware of any services for people with vision loss in the state. Okay, so good. if not, you can always call 211, which is that nationwide number, and that you just say, where can I get vision services? Good, good and, to know. Good to know. Uh, you can also call your local area agency on aging good. and say, uh, I, my mom or my dad doesn't see so well. Is there anything that would help them, anything we can do? Mm-hmm. Then they, they will have the referral. But I think most people are going to know about optometrists and ophthalmologists. Say the two others that you talked about, just so we We have have a clarity of names. Right. Uh, The most important one, I think, is the low vision therapist, because that's the person who's going to recommend what you need to use Uh, to be able to use effectively the vision you have left or the sight you have left. They're going to uh, look at some kind of magnification maybe, uh, something to read my pill bottle, uh, read the newspaper maybe, or or even just the headlines, or if I'm... uh, if I'm also deaf, maybe they can make the captioning on the TV a little bit larger by some special glasses, mm-hmm. and I can, I can view the captioning and know what's going on. Mm-hmm. But, but there are a couple of other people we didn't mention, and one is an orientation and mobility instructor, and that person helps you maneuver safely in your environment. When you lose your vision... Sometimes you you want to be isolated because you're afraid to go out. But this person, uh, the orientation is, where am I? Mobility, well, how do I get to where I want to go? So this person can either help you with uh, a a long cane, a white cane, and a lot of people say, oh, I don't want a cane because it identifies me, but it also protects you. It lets other people know, hey, I don't see so well, so uh, it's going to hit something before you hit it so uh, it is really a safety factor or some people may want a a guide dog Mm -hmm. and that's a possibility too we always say you have a choice canes or canines so um, (laughs) so I I think the important thing that I'm I'm getting from your page is uh, no matter what type of vision loss you have or how old you might be there are resources out there to help you make the best use of the vision you have and and I think that's really important for our listeners because we focus so much on the diagnosis, the treatment, and then kind of send the person home with that without any discussion of what does this really mean for living more independently or retaining my independence. Absolutely. The medical doctor is there to cure you. If they can't do it, then sometimes they feel like they've failed. However, those of us in rehabilitation that's where we take over. Mm-hmm. We're going to teach you to use what you have and to enjoy life again. Life is not over. I, I say that to folks that I work with all the time. Life is not over because your vision and hearing loss. You just do things a different way. Mm-hmm. And it takes you longer to do it. But so what? You're doing, and that's the key. And I hear such optimism and uh, such hope in that, mm-hmm. that it really isn't. Yeah a diagnosis and that's it but you don't know what you don't know so what you see sometimes oh that poor person who's blind or they can't see oh they're deaf how you know and you always say well if I had to choose between being deaf or blind what would it be well there are pros and cons but sometimes we don't have a choice but we do have a choice in the way we face it and and the way we just Mm -hmm. hit it head on and you do what you have to do Mm -hmm. uh 
Well, it's, it's so helpful to hear the different types of vision loss and to realize it's not just lack of clarity and needing to put on a pair of glasses. Putting on glasses isn't going to solve everyone's problems, but it does sound like for most people, there are some resources and solutions. And that is, as Francis said, just a really optimistic message for people. There is. And technology is so big today. Another part of the team yes. is uh, the technology trainer. Uh, grandma might want to use an iPad or an iPhone or a computer, and she can. Um, a grandpa might want to talk to to a grandson and way in college, and they can do that FaceTime. Uh, but you you get the software that can magnify the screen so you can see the face of of the grandchild. It makes a world of difference when you can connect uh, with the reconnect with the family again. Mm-hmm. Paige, you've talked a a bit about this, and I know there's no one-size-fits-all solution for anyone, but I suspect there are some common resources and strategies for each of the eye disorders you talked about. So could you talk a little bit specifically about cataracts? Let's start with those and what you might do, and then talk similarly about glaucoma, macular degeneration, and and diabetic retinopathy. Well, with the cataract, of course, uh, their surgery because most cataracts can be removed, and uh, you can get some corrective lenses, and you do pretty well. Now, there are folks who have some difficulty with the lens, and it may not be um, as... uh, it may not be as clear as you wanted it to be after that old lens is peeled off. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, that's where we, part, for the most part, with people with cataract, you're okay. You diagnose it, you treat it, you move on. You treat on. it, and you yeah. move on. And pretty much right. pain-free and quick. And oh, today it's that. it's you're in and out yeah. in an hour or so. You know, mm-hmm. no overnight. Yeah. And, and I remember early days, and I mean, my goodness, it's just so different. Mm-hmm. It really is. Mm-hmm. It really mm-hmm. is. You had to be careful. Don't move your head this way or that way. And now you come home and mm-hmm. and. You do pretty well. Yeah, yeah. So how, how about some of the others that aren't as maybe medically treatable? Well, uh, again, things like the diabetic retinopathy, you need to be able to identify what you want to do with the vision you have. So if there are those blind spots, it's really important that you say to a low vision therapist or uh, to the optometrist, uh, uh, look, I... I really would love to be able to just read the paper or um, just see the picture again of my grandkids. So you work around what vision they have, and you try just uh, extensive, whether it's handheld magnifiers, electronic magnifiers. There's so much technology Mm -hmm. today. Usually you can find something uh, that's going to be beneficial. And, and that's true of the other eye mm-hmm. conditions, too, with, with glaucoma, where you lose that, that uh, peripheral vision. You really want to just be careful in moving around, and uh, that's where a cane, a lot of times, people don't want to, to accept that, but the cane's going to protect them. They're going to hit a branch or hit something before it hits them. Mm-hmm. Even some po- folks will say, well, just wear a hat with a brim on it. And if you're walking, the brim is going to hit something first. Mm-hmm. Even in your own kitchen, uh, you'll lean over and get something out of a cabinet, but you don't see that cabinet door is open because your field is so small and you hit the cabinet and and there you have a a, a dinghy on your head yeah yeah uh, so it, but but it's teaching those techniques also um on uh well do a protective technique put your arm out first and feel what's there like getting into a car uh hitting the corner of the door when it's open but if you put the person's hand on the door at the corner and let them know where it is put their other hand on top of the car then they know where they are Mm -hmm. so they can be much more safe Mm -hmm. uh, getting in and out of a vehicle Local authors, illustrators, and storytellers come together to create Storytime Station at The Mesh. Storytime Station is a video podcast that works as a virtual storybook. 
Each show features a new children's book and new reader. So gather the whole family to listen, learn, and laugh at Storytime Station on TheMesh.TV. That's a really good segue. You, you've just talked about some of the strategies for the caregiver that the caregiver might be able to use. But are there some other strategies that adult child caregivers and other family members might consider when caring for a loved one with, with vision impairment? There, there really are lots of tips, and it's not an easy job. I know both of you said you were caregivers. <laughs> I was a caregiver, and it can be exhausting. We need as much support as the person we're giving that care to, but sometimes we don't know what to do. Uh, You have to learn. But one of the main things that I say to caregivers is let your loved one be as independent as possible. That might mean letting them sew a button on. If they stick themselves, so what? Uh, Let them set the table. Um, peel a vegetable, uh, but they will learn those skills from a rehabilitation teacher or a vision mm-hmm. therapist. They will learn how to do those first. That makes a world of difference. And also, be careful of when you tell mom or dad, hey, mom, the newspaper's over there. Well, where's over there? Yeah. Oh, well, you know, it's right here. Well, where's here? You have to, and we don't think about that because we have vision and right. we just glance and, right. and we know sure. what they're talking about. But a person who has vision loss doesn't. Mm-hmm. So you have to be a little bit more descriptive uh, in that. Uh, if they can sign their own checks, I mean, that's, that's huge. Any type of independence, give them responsibilities. Find a game that you can play together or they can play with their grandkids, something that's accessible. Uh, Keep them engaged in life. Uh, Take them out for a ride, but be sure and describe, hey, did you know that there's a new mall going up here or Mm -hmm. and where's here? Oh, you know, beside the Lowe's, there's a new store. providing the visual information. It is. It is. It's so important. And so many museums now have tactile displays. You can go into a museum, you you set up a time, Mm -hmm. and you say, I'm going to bring mom or dad in, and uh, let's spend time actually feeling the display. And some of them have uh, recorded tapes. If they have enough hearing, they can uh, understand uh, what's being said along with what, what's being felt, too. Because a person with vision loss, often their fingers are their eyes, so you got to let them use it. And one thing I mentioned earlier was audio books, uh, magazines, current affairs. There's so much. Uh, and one of the resources I'll give later is the National Federation of the Blind, uh, they have over 300 newspapers. You just dial up on the phone and tell them which newspaper you want to read. And uh, anything you want is there, is there for you. So, uh, but for caregivers, reach out to us in the community. Ask for help. If you don't know where to go, you dial that 211 also, mm-hmm. or Area Agency on Aging, or a doctor, uh, an eye doctor's office and say, where do I go to get some help? Mm-hmm. And we want to teach you how to guide um, your loved one so that you don't run them into things. There's a, there's a special way to do that. We will teach you that. You don't want to drag them along. And, and how to put them in the chair. Uh, you know, you don't have to sit them down. Just put their hand on the back of the chair. If there's a table, the, the other hand on the table, they know they're going to sit down. It's going to make life much more comfortable for them and for you. Mm-hmm. Are there any other resources that come to your mind immediately that we ought to talk about relative to the vision? Well, each state has uh, specialized services for uh, people who are blind or severely visually impaired. It's called the Independent Living for Older Blind, I-L-O-B, Independent Living for Older Blind. Every state gets a grant. 
in uh, North Carolina, the Division of Services for the Blind, and they have offices all throughout North Carolina. If you dial the uh, call the 211 number again and just say, uh, my mom or my dad lives in Asheville, where can I get services for them? Then... uh, Good. Someone so will come into the home. Start. It yeah. is. Nationwide, we have the American Foundation for the Blind, and they have a great website with just lots of free material that caregivers would really benefit from. And uh, there's no phone number, but it's Vision Aware, V I S. I-O-N-A-W-A-R-E dot O-R-G, one word, visionaware.org. You'll find a wealth of information. And uh, on the hearing side, uh, we have the National Institute on Deafness and Other Communicative Disorders, and of course the Helen Keller National Center where I work, but we, we serve only folks that have both vision and hearing loss. But you call us, we'll give you the proper contact in your state because we are nationwide. Let's, um, let's talk more about hearing loss. We've spent a lot of time on, on vision loss. Other than um, age, What are some of the other common causes of hearing loss in in the elderly? Well, one of the most common causes is exposure to noise. And so that we Rolling see, Stone concert we went to exactly <laughs> right. You see, uh, construction workers, farmers, uh, musicians, uh, people who worked in the airport. Uh, mm-hmm. Now you see them wear the ear protectors. A long time ago, yeah. you didn't. Uh, tree cutters. Um, People in the armed forces, that's a big population because they were exposed to to noise uh, in the artillery. And it's gradual over time. Mm -hmm. Uh, An audiologist friend of mine said that she felt that this generation coming up today we were going to see a very significant uh, jump in hearing loss because of the earbuds, and it's up so loud that it's a constant uh, that just keeps hitting against those hair cells in the yeah. cochlea, and there's nothing you can do. It just yeah. it just yeah. dies. How is how is hearing loss measured? Well. Uh, it's measured in decibels or intensity of sound, uh, how loud or how soft the sound is. Uh, hearing loss is charted on an audiogram, and this is a chart that tells you how well you hear uh, at different pitches, at different loudness. Uh, uh, frequency or the pitch is across the top of the page, and the decibels or how loud something is is charted on the left-hand side of the page. It's if you if you can envision a piano keyboard, the pitches are low on the left side; they get higher as you go up on the right side. That's exactly how. Uh, they measure the hearing loss. It's important for caregivers to know if if their loved one has a hearing loss, where is that hearing loss? Is it in the low range? Is it in the high range? If it's in the low range, they're not going to hear probably male voices or lower voices. If it's in the high pitch, they're not going to hear women's voices, grandchildren. So it's very important that they know where that uh, hearing loss is. That's a safety factor also because uh, can I still hear the telephone ringing? Can I still hear the smoke alarm? Uh, You've probably been around people that wear hearing aids and and they just, we call it buzzing. You hear it and you know, Mama, your hearing aid is whistling. Well, it's such a high sound, Mama can't hear it, but everybody else in the world can. Mm -hmm. And the TV is up so loud, everybody can hear it but Mama. So uh, it gets very very frustrating for the caregiver, but again, there are things that the caregivers uh, uh, can get to uh, enhance the sound on the TV, and the person sits back in their lazy chair and adjusts the volume themselves, and then you can sit in the room with everybody else, and their volume is at a comfortable pace. The one thing you don't want to do is try is is separate. Uh, yourself from the family. And with hearing loss, that often does that. Uh, communication is the biggest issue. Mm-hmm. Right. Makes right. sense. Right. One of the things I didn't mention earlier, and I wanted to about um, hearing loss, is uh, 
uh, head injury uh, from falls can certainly cause hearing loss, uh, infections. Uh, one thing that, that people don't usually associate with hearing loss, but if you have diabetes, because it is circulatory and um, certainly can cause a hearing loss. And anyone with um, osteoarthritis, uh, the three little bones in your ears are the smallest bones in your body, and osteoporosis uh, can affect uh, those bones. They harden and can affect the hearing. So if you have diabetes, uh, you know, you need to check that hearing as well as um, arthritis. The, mm-hmm. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. I would never have thought of the arthritis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Most people don't. But, sure, but that you think about sense. the bones, and sure, they're very small. Mm-hmm. So what professionals then are typically involved in the diagnostic and the treatment uh, for someone with a hearing loss? Well, um, with the hearing loss, you usually, um, if it's sudden, you might go to uh, a medical doctor, an otolaryngologist, mm-hmm. Uh, big word to say the eye, ears, nose, and throat doctor. Um, not the eye, the ear, nose, and throat doctor. Uh, and the otolaryngologist will find out why you're not hearing, uh, why you have trouble hearing, and offer the treatment. Uh, often, if there's nothing that can be done, they will send you, no medical or surgical uh, intervention, they will send you to an audiologist. And an audiologist is someone who's trained in identifying and measuring the type of hearing loss that you have. I would always go to a certified audiologist. Don't just walk in off the street and get your hearing tested or have someone come to your house and test your hearing. That's not the way to do it. You must have a certified audiologist. And audiologists, some audiologists are licensed to fit hearing aids also, but they know about other devices like assistive listening devices uh, in addition to a hearing aid that might benefit uh, the person. <laughs> so audiologist is is a key person but then you have your your uh, deafness rehabilitation specialist they call it deafness but hard of hearing mm-hmm. folks if you still have some hearing you want someone to let you know uh, if I take my hearing aid off can I still hear the doorbell can I still hear the smoke alarm mm-hmm. you want a professional to be able to assess and evaluate that for you too and tell you what you need to do gotcha Good. gotcha Okay, so sort of like with the vision loss, are there some strategies that we adult child caregivers as well as other family members might consider when communicating with a family member or a loved one who has a hearing loss? Speak slowly, (laughs) clearly, and directly to the person. Uh, I always tell my seniors, you tell your family to say your name first before you want to talk to me. Uh, Francis, oh, that gets your attention. You know I'm talking to you now. Jane, oh, okay. Uh, And this is Paige. Mm -hmm. Um, Simple strategy, but so important. and, And if the person has the vision loss, they might not know who it is. So, hi, Francis, this is Paige. Uh, Always identify yourself. Playing the guessing game is not good. And we all, oh, you know who this is. Oh, you know. But that really sometimes can be a little bit more frustrating for the person. And don't shout. If mom or daddy don't get it, I mean, don't shout the same thing again. Rephrase what you just said. Say it another way and see if they get it. Because if they have a hearing loss that's in those higher frequency sounds, which most older adults who have hearing loss, it's the higher frequencies, so they don't uh, hear those consonants, the S's and the C, H's and the F's. So just say it another way. Uh, and don't try to carry on a conversation from another room. Oh, hey, go get me a Coke, will you? And, uh, well, do you want also a sandwich? Well, come back to the room and ask me. We are. We do that. And, And try, if you want to have a good conversation, try to avoid the background noise. Uh, I always, uh, when I used to be out on the road seeing people a lot, uh, 
some of the people would say, don't come during my story time because <laughs> their soap operas were on at, at right. certain times. So I had to schedule around that. Mm-hmm. Well, when you go in, you know, you want to have a conversation, turn the radio off, turn the TV off, get into an environment that, that's quiet. Uh, but learn about the technology, too, that will help that loved one, whether it's, it's something that they can uh, connect to the TV and uh, then the sound will be coming directly into their ears. And then you, as I said earlier, you can adjust the sound where it's uh, comfortable for you so you can all have a family, a family dinner even. Uh, just a mm-hmm. little device in the middle of the table might make caring uh, so much better. Mm-hmm. But for the caregiver, ask for help again. Ask for what you don't know. There's mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. people there to help. And one of the things I always say to my mother is it's okay to say to a doctor or the CPA, whoever you're talking to, I can't hear you. Could you look at me when you're speaking, or would you repeat that? I I find my mother is so embarrassed to ask for help, and yet she really is the one that has to take responsibility for saying, I can't hear you. That's right. That's right. And that's one of the things that that we teach in a support group that I run is – what do you say to the doctor? You take responsibility for your communication mm-hmm. by telling people what you need. And you have to practice that yeah, because older folks, oh, that's my lot in life. I'll just take it. Yep. But it's yep. not. You deserve Absolutely. to be heard. Absolutely. Let me, let me ask another question, though. Um, I remember knowing an older man, uh, this was several years ago, who had significant hearing loss, but he was told that he needed to be on a low-sodium diet because the salt, the sodium in his body, was affecting his hearing. Hmm. Does that... Okay, that... I don't know. It's unique to him, I guess. I don't know. That's interesting. I will have to look that up. Okay. I don't know. I just wondered. Hmm. But one thing I I would mention, uh, many older adults, when there is nothing, a hearing aid or assistive listening device that will benefit them, they do consider cochlear implants sometimes. Mm -hmm. Uh, It must be a nerve. You must have uh, nerve damage for that. But uh, I've had clients uh, as old as 95 getting cochlear implants, and it's a, a pretty simple procedure, uh, but it, it does not restore normal hearing, but you're aware of sounds. Absolutely. If you've had a hearing before, you're a better candidate because you already know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that. I have a friend in his 80s who had a cochlear implant, and I was surprised that they were using that for someone his age, but it made all the difference mm-hmm. in the world, just really in his safety and his independence and his confidence. Absolutely. But you look at that also from a rehabilitation standpoint, they don't sleep in their cochlear implants. So when they take that off, they're deaf again. So you must consider, can I still hear the yeah. smoke detector? Can yeah. I still hear the telephone, a knock yeah. on the door, et cetera? Yeah, yeah. yeah. good. Uh, what about resources for specific for people with hearing losses, both in North Carolina and nationally? What would you recommend? Well, throughout North Carolina, they have regional centers for the deaf. They have one right in the Asheville uh, area, which is not far from here. And uh, Helen Keller National Center has a regional representative that covers North Carolina. There's a Hearing Loss Association of America, which is excellent. And all of these places have uh, contact, uh, have information that, that throughout the state of North Carolina. So wherever you live, somebody can come to you. One of the best programs we have throughout the nation is something called I Can Connect. And it's the National Deafblind Equipment Distribution Program. You must qualify financially, but you can get an iPad, an iPhone, or a computer, anything that's related to distance communication. So you have to be able to use it to get on the Internet or to make a call. But that is free equipment, and only for people who have combined loss of vision and hearing. Mm-hmm. The... Uh, uh, FCC, uh, Federal Communications uh, Commission, has allocated $10 million per year 
for this program throughout the United States. So it's a great program. People don't know about mm-hmm. it, so they don't know to ask. So really very similar to the vision loss. There's lots of resources out there. Absolutely. We need to not stop with the diagnosis and treatment, but also look at support and rehabilitation. That's too. right. And North Carolina has services for the deaf, services for the blind, and services for folks who are deafblind. Or again, deafblind meaning any combination of vision and hearing loss. Yeah. And that, that really kind of takes us to the, the next question. We've talked um, about vision loss distinctive and hearing loss distinctive, but we do know that some people, perhaps many people, experience both vision and hearing losses. How is that similar? How is that different? How does that impact one's quality of life? Well, it's huge. Uh, When you have one sensory loss, you tend to think, well, I can compensate. If I have a hearing loss, I'll compensate with my vision. If I have a vision loss, I'll compensate with my hearing. Uh, You can't do that when you have uh, the dual loss. When the two senses uh, you use to acquire information are cut off or drastically reduced, you become isolated. You use your vision uh, to see what's going on. You use your hearing to hear. Uh, We just learn so much just by listening. A person with vision and hearing loss can't do that. So the biggest impact is on communication. Mm -hmm. Communication with yourself and others. How am I going to write down a phone number? How am I going to look up a phone number? Uh, How am I going to take notes of of something that I want? How can I make my grocery list? Uh, uh, You become so isolated. That isolation leads to depression. But there's help. Uh, You just have to know where to go to ask. Uh, I run a peer support group uh, around the country as well as a rehabilitation center out on Long Island, New York. And uh, it's just for seniors with both vision and hearing loss. One group will be deaf and they're sign language users and they're blind. The other group will be hard of hearing and they're blind or visually impaired. I do not mix the two groups because of communication. communication. We call it the Confident Living Program, CLP. And we spend five days chocked full of a variety of classes and activities, understanding my vision and my hearing loss, what I wish my family knew about vision and hearing loss. And I always encourage each of the participants to bring a family member with them because then they learn along with the person, and when they go back home, they're much more support. We teach communication tips, uh, coping strategies, uh, introduction to some low-tech and high-tech devices. I bring an elder lawyer in to talk about uh, wills and trust and uh, because sometimes just face it we will take our parents to a lawyer and I'll answer all the questions and sign everything and that's really if they have the capacity to be able to do that they need to know what's going on we also talk about emergency preparedness what do you do in case of an emergency do you have an emergency bag at your door and what should you put in it in case there's floods or uh, recently in in virginia we had tornadoes and uh, leisure activities uh, what do I in my free time what do I do I mean I used to play ball or I used to do this and now I can't do anything well you can do something mm-hmm. you just have to learn what's available and 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 what uh, what you feel like might be fun for you again and that's the key having fun the comment I hear most often from the program though is I never knew there were other people like me out there I thought I was the only one. Having that peer support is so So important. important. And and our motto for the Confident Living Program, I take it from Rick Warren's uh, The Purpose Driven Life book, you must have hope to cope. So we, we say that all week. If you have hope, you can cope. And it's all about giving hope, and, and that's what we try to do. Wow. And that's so much of what we've heard today is that truly there is hope, there is encouragement, there is optimism, there is reason to not let a vision or a hearing um, loss just stop you in your tracks. That's but right. There's lots that can be done and lots of resources out yeah. there. People never thought their golden years would be like this. And they need to know that. Uh, well, the Helen Keller quote, alone we can do so little, but together we can do so much. I mean, that that's so powerful, and it's true. So I tell folks, remember, you're not alone. 
life's not over because of vision and hearing loss. You learn to do things a different way. It doesn't matter if it takes longer. What matters is that you try. You're never too old to learn, and it's all about your attitude. If your attitude is good, then it doesn't matter. Life can be good. It's just your definition of good might be a different. uh, Good advice. Paige, you have given us so much wonderful information. Thank you. But are there any other words of wisdom? You may have just left us with that. (laughs) Are there any other words of wisdom that you would want to impart? I I think the words of Helen Keller alone, we can do so little together, we can do so much, is very true. I want caregivers to know you're not alone. Always there's help somewhere. Uh, Don't get to the point that it's so frustrating that uh, you feel like, oh, I don't know what to do, because that will show through to your loved one. And uh, we're there to help. Uh, There are folks there. Thank you. Thank you, Paige. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening to the caregiver community. Francis and Paige and I hope that you have enjoyed and, most importantly, learned, I know I have, something today about aging, vision, and hearing loss, as well as caregiving. This program is part of the MESH network of online shows and podcasts. You may learn more about the MESH and check out the other programs available for free at www.themesh.tv. On the site, you may also send Francis and I a question or a recommendation for future show topics. Just simply use the Contact Us button. We also encourage you to find us on Apple iTunes, where you may subscribe to our show and make sure you receive all future episodes automatically. You'll find a link to the MESH website on our ACAP community website as well. Francis, can you tell us a little bit more about how to find out about ACAP community? I'd be delighted to, yes. For more information about ACAP community, you may visit our website, www. ACAPcommunity.org, and ACAP is Adult Children of Aging Parents. So again, www.acapcommunity.org, or you can call us toll-free at 877-599-ACAP, which is 877-599-2227, or you can email us at info at acapcommunity.org. Thank you. You've been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.